Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Balance, my minions. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. I am your host. I will guide you through this crazy maze of sports uh, throughout the next two hours. Uh, I will direct you. Just follow me. I am El Presidente. Tom Marquez. Well, I tell you what, we're doing things a little bit different today. Uh, we had to take this show in advance, uh, so we're not doing the live. And of course, you know, normally we do the, the podcast, which is the live show, but we had to uh, make some uh, alterations, if you will. I'm actually going to be out of town. My parents are renewing their vows after 50 years. Man, what can I say to my parents, but hats off and salute. I have the awesome opportunity of giving away my mother, and so I have to be out of town. So we are taping the show, but I I promise you, we won't miss a beat. We're going to cover everything. Actually, I had to tape Ed Kratz, so we'll be inserting him here in just a little bit. But he'll be on the show here in just a little bit, talking about the NFL, obviously the impact of Aaron Rodgers to the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, speaking of impacts, I mean, who saw that Gordon Hayward hit? Uh, a fall, I, I guess you should say. I mean, I, it still gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Amazing. Obviously, Gordon Hayward uh, back with his old college uh, coach, Brad Stevens, at the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics. Uh, obviously, he went to uh, Brownsburg High School here in the Indianapolis area where we flagship from. Uh, and then... Went to Butler here in Indianapolis where Brad Stevens was his coach. And he went on to greatness in college and went to Utah Jazz and then recently uh, moved over through a free agency agreement to the Boston Celtics. They built that team around him. They had high hopes and aspirations. And, you know, that just goes to show that there are bigger things in this world than sports. So, obviously, uh, Gordon Hayward's out for the foreseeable future, I would say definitely for the season. Uh, let's hope it's not a career-ending uh, move or a career-ending injury, if you will, because that looked pretty nasty. But you know what we remember a couple of years ago with the Indiana Pacers and Paul George went through something very, very similar. Of course, he was one of the very first ones to, uh, you know, let uh, – Gordon Hayward know that thoughts and prayers were going up to him, and so certainly uh, our thoughts and prayers go to uh, Gordon Hayward. Tell you what, we're standing by for uh, Mark Timmons of L.A. Dodger Talk. Um, I know he's on the call. We're going to talk about the Dodgers and the Cubs. 
Now, by the time this show airs, we know what happened with this game on Thursday. But we are taping this show prior to that game, uh, so we don't know. But we are going to talk about the anticipation of what's going on here over taping this Thursday night, what's happening between the Dodgers and the Cubs. Now, you know that every major network is salivating, salivating on wanting to see uh, a, uh, well, at least the ones that are carrying the game, I'll put it that way. Uh, the other networks probably don't care so much, but uh, probably salivating on the fact of wanting to see a New York Yankees, L.A. Dodgers, coast-to-coast World Series. We'll see. I tell you what, it's, uh, I don't think it's only, I think it's only been done in MLB history where a team has come down from three uh, games uh, in the NLCS uh, to win and go into the World Series. Uh, so Kershaw is on the mound uh, tonight, so uh, we'll see if we can't uh, get um, – See if we can't get Mark Timmons of L.A. Dodger Talk on with us. And we're efforting trying to get him on the air as, as we speak. And then, you know, up in the next half hour, we've got Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest going to be talking about Vega, the points, what's going on with NASCAR, where do we stand with the stand. He's going to spend a few, few minutes. And then we're going to have Rick Riggin on. We're going to be talking about the Ambits Top 25 breaking rate. And, uh, Break, uh, Ambats brings uh, brings us the uh, breaking rank every single week where we break down the top 25 uh, college football teams in the nation. Uh, and uh, then Mo from the BS Sports Show going to be joining us. And, of course, our normal uh, continue our conversation with NFL, uh, college football, our bet against the spread, you know, the fun little things that we like to do as far as betting and uh, where the lines are at, where they're moving, what is Vegas saying, and so forth. So as you can see, we've got a jam-packed show for you. I wish that we could take your calls. Normally, 917-889-8516 is the digits to call us. But... We are taping tonight, so we aren't going to be able to take your calls. So we are standing by for Mark Timmons. Uh, hopefully, we'll get him on here in, in just a moment. My name is Sean Mark with Sean Presidente. We're going to step away. We'll be right back right after this on the Balance Radio Network.
All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is uh, Tom Mark with South President Jay. Well, we are standing by for Mark Timmons. Hopefully we'll have him on the air uh, with us here uh, soon, and we'll be talking with him about the Dodgers and the Cubs. Obviously, Thursday night we're taping this show, but Oakland and Kansas City, I tell you what, Kansas City has got to be one pissed off uh, team coming into tonight's game after getting schooled by Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Finally, in the last quarter of the game, they were able to put things together and uh, just wasn't enough. Too, too, uh, too much too late, is that, what the, is, that, is that how the saying goes? Uh, so it just wasn't enough, so we'll see what happens there. And we're going to be taping uh, also uh, later, we're going to be ta- taping uh, Ed Kratz, uh, the, our beat writer, <laughs> our official our official beat writer, let me put it that way, uh, an official NFL contributor. Hey, have you checked out our website, www.thebalanceonline.com? Check it out. It is the one place where you can come Read the story, follow our tweets, follow our blogs. Ed has blogs up there. I have things up there. Rick has things up there. Really, it's it's just a great place to come and read the articles of things that are going on in the sports. So check it out. Follow us on Twitter at T Balance, and uh, of course we have our whole family of Twitterers at ProND1, at Two Hot Corner, at Breaking Rank, at Indian May. And so we've got something on Twitter for just about everybody. So follow us there on www.thebalanceonline.com. Like I said, we are standing by here for Mark Timmons of LA Dodger Talk. I have not heard that he wasn't going to be able to join us, so I'm just going to uh, hope and think that he is that he is going to uh, to jump on uh, with us. But you know, we we'll talk a little bit about Jacoby Brissett. Is he an up-and-coming newcomer with the Indianapolis Colts? You know, what we saw this week was a press conference from uh, Ballard who said, you know, we, we're dealing with some soreness with Andrew Luck, and we had to take a cortisone shot, and, uh, you know, he's just not going to be able to practice. In fact, we don't know if he's going to be able to play this week, or, I mean, this year, this season. Uh, we just can't put the cart before the horse. He said a lot of things in that press conference that made me just pause and think, hmm, is there an encrypted message here? Is he trying to tell us something? I think maybe so. I mean, obviously we're not uh, saying goodbye forever to Andrew Luck, but we certainly could be saying goodbye to Andrew Luck for the season, for the foreseeable season. And, you know, as we've said on this show many times, and I'm sure you've heard and have drawn your own conclusions when it comes to the Indianapolis Colts, there's really only one person, maybe outside of the fans, that want uh, Andrew Luck to return sooner than later, and that's Chuck Pagano. And I tell you what, if they could pull off a win somehow against Jacksonville on Sunday at home, the Jacksonville Jaguars, come on. What realm of reality are we living in where they are first place in the AFC South? Can somebody tell me that? Well, the reality is, we're out right now. We don't have Andrew Luck. But the rest of the team needs to step it up, and I, I think we're starting to see some improvements. And, you know, my question to you 
we've seen a lot of improvements by Jacoby Brissett. I mean, when we when we talk about up and coming quarterbacks, let's let's face it, he was really trained and mentored by one of the best, Tom Brady. He filled in for Tom Brady during Tom Brady's uh, suspensions, and and so he's won games, and so we got him, and of course. Certainly still very green, very rookie, but he's grown a lot over the last few weeks. I think you can see a lot of maturity in him. I mean, a lot. And I think uh, enough so that the Colts are, okay, well, it may not have been our original intent to bench uh, luck for the season, but we are beginning to feel more and more confident and more and more comfortable with having Jacoby Percet underneath center with the Indianapolis Colts. Got Ryan Kelly back, uh, who's, a, who's a big help. Can Vontae Davis pick it up? Here's my question. Do, do we call T.Y. Hilton the ghost for a reason? I, I'm beginning to think so. Where was he at? On Monday night. He, he certainly wasn't anywhere that he was to be found. So maybe they, there's a different reason we call him the ghost. I don't know. But I think it's time for T.Y. Hilton to step up and be a leader on that team. He says he's an elite receiver. He very well might be. He certainly has the, the ability and the uh, the talent to be one of the best receivers in the league. He's certainly shown that he could do that. My question is, why isn't he doing that? And, and this is normal for him, and maybe we should come to expect mediocrity, maybe him just being mediocre. Maybe we should accept that. Maybe we should accept that from the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe we were just too spoon-fed and too spoiled as Colts fans to grasp the reality that the that we're just not a good team. And T. Y. Hilton isn't helping that along. T. Y. Hilton isn't helping that cause at all. But I'll tell you what, you know who is? Jacoby Brissett. And and I guess my question to you is, is he the forgotten up-and-comer. With no team uh, trading for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo during the offseason, it seemed though J- Jacoby Brissett would spend the 2017, I'm sorry, 2017 season largely in the deep Patriots bench. Again, we saw what the, the suspension of Tom Brady uh, was able to do. It gave him some time. So, the Indianapolis Colts come a calling. I have to admit that I wasn't exactly thrilled about this trade. I wasn't exactly thrilled uh, that that trade happened. But I'm okay with it now. I think he's. I mean, I think he's proven himself to be an elite backup quarterback. Could we ask for anything more? Let's talk a little bit about Carson Wentz. And, you know, obviously I don't want to rain on all the thunder with uh, um, Ed Kratz. But you talk about a guy who's coming to his own. Uh, 
Carson Wentz, man, he's the real deal. And, you know, certainly we saw what happened with Aaron Rodgers, and this could really swing the door wide open for the NFC and the the Eagles to step on through. I don't think I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be back at all this season. I could be wrong. There might be that slim outside possibility that he would uh, be able to play in the playoffs if they get to the playoffs, if they're able to make it to the playoffs. We don't know. There's a lot of unknown variables. A lot of unknown variables. Well, you know, I was kind of wanting to uh, spend some time talking with uh, um, Mark Timmons, and, and maybe we can get him on here in the in the near future. But um, I kind of wanted to talk with him a little bit about uh, the Dodgers, Cubs, Game Five. Not sure really uh, why we haven't been able to get a hold of him. But hey, that's radio, right? That's radio for you. We're going to be uh, moving into the uh, NASCAR talk here in a few minutes as as well. Well, we're going to try to get a hold of uh, Mark Timmons one more time and see if we can't get him on. And if not, we'll try to we have to move on to some other things and we will circle back around and talk about the Dodgers and Cubs a little bit later on the show. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Welcome back to The Balance. Uh, my name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to get through to Mark Timmons of L.A. Dodger Talk. Obviously, got a lot going on with the Dodgers and the Cubs uh, playing tonight. So uh, we'll try to circle back around and talk a little bit about that game later on here in the show. Uh, just to remind you, we are uh, taping our show tonight. Uh, in, in, just because I have to be out of town and my... my uh, 
parents made it 50 years, in spite of me, right? <laughs> I will never make it 50 years, people. I'm just saying, with anybody. Well, I'm 49. I will be 49 this week. Full disclosure. I don't have anybody knocking on the door to spend the 50 years with me, so <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, all, I'm all right. So we'll just have to live the life of the bachelor uh, for right now. But, so, yeah, so I'm excited about, about that. So we're taping uh, the show. Uh, so, Dodger fans, are you ready? Are you ready? I think Clayton Kershaw can do it for you tonight. He's getting ready to take the mound here in about uh, five or ten minutes as we're taping the show tonight. And we'll have it on here in the in the balance studio, and we'll kind of be watching on that. But certainly by the time you hear this show on Saturday, uh, we'll know. We'll know who's going to be in the World Series. At least we would think we, we will know who's going to be in the World Series. And certainly as... <laughs> Okay, now I'll fully admit, in full disclosure, I think anybody that knows me or has listened to this show very often at all knows that I'm a diehard Cardinal fan. So I'm not jumping on that Cub bandwagon. Now, I will tell you one thing. If it does happen, if they do make it to the World Series, the Fall Classic, against the, uh, the Astros or the Yankees, I will jump on that bandwagon. I know you didn't want me to kick me off. Fine, I'm just giving. I'm just uh I'm just telling you. So the Cubs survived to improve the to prove the their chances uh, to get to the to the World Series to beat the Los Angeles Dodgers on Wednesday, Wednesday night in Game Four of the NLCS to stay alive, staying alive. But let's face it. <laughs> The odds are against the Cubs, the, against the Cubs toppling what's really a mighty, mighty, mighty Dodger team. And I think and we remember talking back in, earlier on in the season, and, uh, and so I think now we're joined by, uh, is this Steve? Yeah, that's Steve. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Uh, we're taping tonight, so but my board looks completely different than what it does on the live show. So bear with me, brother. Bear with me. Uh, you know, so I appreciate you uh, giving us a call. We were standing by for Mark Timmons of L.A. Dodger Talk. I know we're efforting trying to uh, get him on. Uh, as he said, he was going to call. Obviously, a big game getting ready to happen between the, the Dodgers and the Cubs. Too bad that it couldn't happen for your Nationals. But are there any thoughts on uh, the MLB? postseason of what's going on there for the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Yankees and the Astros? No, not a whole lot going on with that. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to finish up here on the NASCAR season. We've got a couple more weeks left on this, and uh, I guess I'm done with the MLB season at this point. <laughs> That's right. I I think you know I I'm a I'm a National League fan and obviously I follow a lot a, a lot of sports. But uh, I'm not I, I'm a Cardinal fan, so I'm I'm holding off to the last minute to root for the Cubs. But as I was just saying, I think the the, the odds are against the uh, 
the Cubs this year getting a repeat. And I'm okay with that. I just hope that the Yankees don't get it. I'd be completely okay. Which, by the way, let me chew my own horn. Several weeks ago, I said it's going to be an L.A. Dodger and Houston Astro World Series. I'm just saying, I do have a crystal ball. Speaking of crystal balls, Talladega showed us a lot. What did it show you moving forward in, in the NASCAR season? Uh, it's it's time to pony up. Uh, it's time to play big boy racing now. It's time to go get a championship. Who's going to do that? I don't know. There's a, you know, there there was over almost two thirds of the field that didn't make it to the end of the race there at Talladega this past weekend. We only finished with about 16 cars. 14 of them actually crossed the finish line, and uh, you know, uh, the last two barely just limped themselves home to uh, get out there. You know, a lot of days were really destroyed out there at at Talladega. Uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson's. Um, you know, drive out there for his eighth championship is just barely hanging on by a limb at this point. I mean, he's uh, sitting there in eighth right now, uh, just a point or two sitting above the cuff of uh, being cut off. I mean, going into this weekend at Kansas, you've also got uh, Kyle Busch, who's underneath. Uh, you know, his day was wrecked out rather earlier. Uh, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Jamie McMurray, you know, Matt Canada, those guys, they're done. Uh, I, I think almost at this point they're going to need a miracle uh, after almost their their days were, you know, pretty much wrecked up out there. Um, you know, uh, it, when we look a little bit farther up the chain, you know, Ryan Blaney has been able to dig himself out of a hole. Uh, you know, he, he uh, even though he didn't finish the race and he was tied up there in a late race caution out there, he was able to take some stage um, point home, it's a stage a stage win and some points, and that was able to get him out front out there. He may live another day and get into the round of eight um, this weekend outside of uh, uh, Kansas. But you know there was a you know that there was, there was a lot of days you know just wrecked up out there at um, you know Talladega. So you know we're you know, at the end of the day, Brazkowski, he locked himself in. I mean, he was involved into an incident, his own self. I mean, they, NASCAR scoring uh, officially listed everybody, but I think uh, about four cars in the field that had some kind of damage or was involved in some kind of incident throughout the day out there. And uh, typical of Talladega that we're leading out of. And I think a lot of people are thinking this is kind of a – a godsend that this year we're not cutting cutting the uh, you know the the playoffs this year like we did last year off at Talladega. Well, I tell you, well, I tell you one thing, Talladega does separate the men's from the boys. We're talking with Steve Wilson, editor and publisher of Speedway Digest. I appreciate you taking some time to join us this evening. I know it's not our our normal time as we're taping. I have to, as I mentioned earlier, I have to be out of town. Uh, on Saturday, my parents are renewing their valves after 50 years. That is an accomplishment, sir, and I'm giving away my mother, so, uh, you know, it, 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 I have to be out of town for that. I thought, well, I got the show to do, Mom, but I guess I can I can do this for you. But <laughs> So I appreciate you taking some time to join us, but I, I tell you what. Will, will, will Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch advance to the playoffs? The last two cup champions uh, champions are on the bubble heading into the elimination race at Kansas. What say you, sir? Uh, you know, like I said, you know, both of them are just really just hanging on by a thread at this point on whether 
uh, they're going to advance on. They're they're going to need some help, I think, coming into Kansas this weekend. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is barely just above the threshold. Uh, Kyle Bush, he's underneath. Uh, those two guys, I mean, there there's a little bit of points there in uh, in flux um, that could potentially move around between those two guys. Ryan Blaney since out front, 11 points over Jimmy Johnson, 12 points over Kyle Bush at this point. They're going to need a lot of points. They're going to need to go out there. They're going to need to win some stages. They're going to need to get some stage points. They're going to need to do a lot of things out there at Kansas this weekend. They're going to need some people in front of them uh, to have some trouble. If they're going to keep their their hopes alive out there, um, and they better hope that somebody behind them, like Matt Kenseth, that happens to just be like that one point lagging behind doesn't come out and win the race or doesn't go out and win two stages or do something crazy out there because – that's all it's going to take is for the potential of, you know, somebody like that that's sitting there, you know, within two or three points of them uh, to go out there and potentially get themselves above them in this playoff point system. And I think they've got just a lot of things that are in flux right there around 8th, ninth, and 10th. Uh, anybody below that, really, um, you're in a win-or-die situation, and that's where, you know, Stenhouse and uh, McMurray are right now. But, uh as I was saying, I, I I just think you know right now it's just going to be incredibly tough. Their their days took a hit there at Talladega, and it's going to be a mountain that they're going to have to climb out of, especially after you know Ryan Blaney was able to get points over them, and neither one of them were able to score anything. Well, let's uh, kind of zip through some of these series because we want to spend a few minutes talking about the Monster Energy uh, Cup Series. But I do want to talk about some of these other series. Let's start with start with the NASCAR Camping World uh, Truck Series in Martinsville on the 28th at, at 1 o'clock. You know, we look at Christopher Bell, Johnny Sauter, uh, Matt Crafton, uh, John Hunter, uh, Namachek, I'm sorry, Ben Rhodes, Austin Cedric, which is a rookie, another rookie, uh, Chase Briscoe, uh, another rookie, uh, Kaz Grala, and I think I just butchered that name, Ryan Truex, and another rookie, Grant Effinger. So we see a lot of rookies in the field with the truck series. I think that's exactly what NASCAR wants to see. They want to see rookies in these developmental series. Yeah, I mean, we, that's exactly what NASCAR is uh, is going for. I mean, we've we've gotten to the point where NASCAR has cut down the number of races that if you're within five years and been competing within five years full-time in the NASCAR uh, Monster Energy Cup Series, they want you out of these series. They, they, they don't want you hogging the series like we've seen in the past, and that's been a big thing over the last couple of years. I guess we can really just call this the Kyle Busch effect to some degree. Is that weekends that he's put he's in these races, people know that he's going to win. He's either going to win or he's going to wreck coming to that checkered flag. One of the two. There is no in really in between for him. And I think that you know that's the effect that people are tuning out. They're not coming to the racetrack. And I know you know years ago we used to say you know this is what sold tickets, but this is no longer selling tickets. So NASCAR has reversed their you know line of thinking. The team owners are giving opportunities to drivers that are able to come up. Uh, and, you know, this, you know, is an opportunity for these drivers to go out there and actually excel, get some get some time in the seat, also get some time on TV, but also, you know, with them limiting the number of events that these drivers with five or more years uh, can compete in these races, uh, it also gives them the ability to go and race against these veteran drivers, and I think that gives the fine balance that we're looking for in next year in 2018, 
NASCAR is even going to cut this down even more. They're going to say you're going to cut, you're going to run even less races in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the NASCAR Kings of Road Truck Series, and I think that's what we need to continue striving for in this aspect. We want to continue seeing these drivers move up. We want to see them coming out of the late model series, the modified series, the K&N series. We want to see them moving up into the Kings of Truck Series, and if there's potential for this, for sponsors to get into it and the barrier of sponsorship is lower with these rookies that are able to move up into this series and they see the return on an investment from a sponsorship aspect and not seeing Kyle Busch or you know another Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series driver and no disrespect to them you know it's it gives the sponsor an ability to get on TV more often and it gives the, the driver themselves a better ability to get into victory lane. And that's, it's a win-win for all. And I think that's exactly what NASCAR is looking for. I think that's what team owners are looking for. I know that a lot of them are backed by bigger teams, such as, you know, uh, cup teams or much larger teams that are multi-truck or multi-car teams. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's giving opportunities for these drivers to go out there and compete, but still having that fine balance of those drivers that are veterans to still come into the series and hone that ability for, for rookie drivers to watch these, watch these veterans and hone their skills. Well, there's a reason Christopher Bell is number one. I mean, uh, 19 starts, five wins, uh, uh, 13 top fives, 17 top tens, uh, seven stage wins and 47 playoff points. Uh, I mean, really, the the, the 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 point spread isn't that far between uh, first place and sixth place uh, with Austin Cedric, which is a rookie there. But I tell you what, I, I think if there's anybody that we could look at that could that could really put the challenge to Christopher Bell, there's only two people, and they're obviously one, two, three, and that's Johnny Sauter and, and Matt Crafton. Past that, I don't see anybody being able to make any kind of major moves at this point to uh, to uh, take over the spot of Christopher Bell for the championship. No, I mean, we're really not going to see any moves at this point until we get to the point where we are at, uh, you know, at Homestead, and there's four drivers left, and we reset the points down. And it's a winner take all. First first truck cross check for uh, your first truck car first truck cross start finish line is going to win it for the day. Um, I, I I think that's when you're you're going to see you know uh, you know Chris Fell, Johnny Sauter, you know Matt Craft, and you know these guys they're going to be competing, and, and they're going to have to have perfection that day. And that's you know where perfection comes in. It's going to be everything from pit stops to everything you do on the track. Um, you know, it's just going to have to work in their benefit. And, you know, these stage points and everything that they've done and worked up to to this that point in the season really doesn't mean anything to them. Um, they've done a heck of a job all the way up to that point. But nobody's really going to touch these three, I think, at this point coming into, uh, you know, until we get to Homestead, I think we're pretty much locked in at this point. And, you know, Homestead is, you know, really where, uh, you know, and that's where, unfortunately, the design is is, is is at is you know it's kind of the same way in the in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series is the same way we've got Martin Truex sitting at the top of the you know the the uh, the point standings and really you know at the end of the day he's not going to be knocked off of the top he's going to continue to move on and go straight into the Homestead Miami Speedway 
And that's where we're going to find out whether he's going to take the championship home. And that's similar case where we're going to see the three competing, really going to find out who is the best of the best at the end of the day in that Scarcan Board Truck Series between Sauter and Crafton and Christopher Bell. And those three teams are really strong teams right now, no matter, you know, how you cut it. Right, I, I totally totally get that, totally understand. So let's talk a little bit about the Xfinity uh, Series, if you will. What's going on in the Xfinity Series, and then we'll get on to the, the Monster Truck Series. Obviously, the uh, the Kansas Lottery 300 Saturday, uh, October 21st at, at 3 o'clock. Uh, talk with us a little bit about what we can look for in Kansas at the uh, uh, Xfinity race, if you will. Uh, yeah, the Xfinity race, if you will. William Bryan, a rookie there. Jo- Justin Allgaeger, uh, Elliot Sadler, Daniel Hemrick, Cole Custer, and Brendan Poole. Ryan Reed, Matt Tift, and Brendan Gaughan, and Michael Annette round out the top ten. What are your thoughts? Obviously, we have a rookie leading in the point standing there, and that's William Bryan. Well, you know, the, the, these drivers over there in NASCAR X Series. I mean, one of the things that you know we're we're making a we're going to make a change over here where this this you know in in the spring this was run at nighttime and this they're going to come back and they're going to run this at the end of the day. So this is going to play a little bit differently in the way that these tires are going to wear around um, Kansas Speedway. So I think that's we're going to get some long drawn out racing out there uh, during the daytime. The tires are going to wear just a little bit differently. So, it, you know, it's, it's pitch strategy is going to be the biggest part of the, it's going to play into the biggest part of the day out there at Kansas in this event. Um, you, you're just going to have to really just be on top of your game and pit, pits have, pits have been an issue there at the uh, pit, pit mistakes and pit penalties have been an issue there at Kansas in the past. Um, you know, for for now you've got rookie drivers like William Bryan, uh, William Byron sitting there at the top. I mean, Justin Allgaier sitting behind him as Junior Motorsports and Elliott Sadler. Those three got this thing locked up all the way up there at the top at this point. And I I think that you know the veterans behind him, even though that William Byron um, he's going to be moving on to to the Cup Series in 2018 to take over the number 24 car. Um, he he's shown that he can go out there and he can compete in any series that he's in. Um, I think it's just down here to this stretch that we're going to find out if the pressure is going to start getting to him. Uh, I I know that in the in the truck series, you know that's you know we, we, he started having some issues and you know this is a totally different team. He's at KBM in the Kansas World Truck Series and you know this year he's at Junior Motorsports. So I mean. We're totally different dynamics in this, but I, I I just think that you know, you know, at Kansas this weekend, it's just really, it, it's a race you just got to maintain, just got to get out of, and then you know, it'll be a couple more weeks, and you know, you're just gonna go into the homestead right now. It's just really about maintaining at this point um, to get these final four cars in. Well, absolutely. So here we go. We're going to Kansas, the final elimination race, the Monster Energy um, Cup Series. We're talking with Steve Wilson, a Speedway Digest editor and publisher. Check them out, speedwaydigest.com. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, i sorry, the sponsor name escapes me. There's so many of them. But uh, at the, the Kansas Speedway on Sunday, October 22nd, one day before my birthday, at 3 o'clock. And so we look at the uh, the standings with uh, the 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 Monster Cup Series, if you will, the big boys, if you will, and um, 
I'm sorry I had, it, had him pulled up right here, and then I lost him. Martin Truex Jr., no surprise there. Brad Kolotsky obviously trying to establish his legacy uh, in the NASCAR uh, series. Uh, Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, uh, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Jimmy Johnson, and Kyle Busch, and Matt Kenseth all round out the top ten of the Monster Energy Truck Series. What say you, sir? I mean, I'm sorry, Monster Energy Cup Series. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the you know, Truex, at this point in the season, I think he's just a master at this point. You've got... Um, Especially on these 1.5 mile tracks I mean he's got this thing mastered No matter what what mile and a half track you go to I I suspect that on Sunday uh, No matter where he qualifies at He's going to make it to the front He's going to make it to the front very very quickly He's going to get a lot of stage points He didn't get hardly any uh, or uh, there at Talladega, and then he was wrapped up into a, uh, an eventual wreck out there. So, you know, his day really didn't go the way that he wanted, but that's okay. He doesn't need it. He's already won, and he's already locked into the round of eight. Um, Brad Keselowski has the same way. Uh, he's locked in. But, you know, the second, the person that, who's actually made the most points this season in, 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 the, in these uh, stage points is actually uh, Kyle Busch. Um, you know, a lot of people look at, you know, Martin Truex and they see Martin Truex and they they just see that he's the master of these 1.5-mile tracks and he's made a lot, of mile, a lot, a lot of points. But it's actually Kyle Busch who's put the most points on the boards in the stage-based system this year. So, you know, even though that he's lurking, he's underneath that, you know, ninth place, and I know I said this earlier, he's lurking underneath that ninth place. These stage points actually may be enough to get him and bump him over that and knock Jimmy Johnson out at the end of the day. So there's going to be some movement, I think, eventually down there in that bottom because uh, Jimmy Johnson's got a lot. The, Jimmy Johnson's got some points, but not nearly as many because Johnson hasn't been able to figure this system out this year. Um, you know, you've you've already got uh, you know Keselowski and you've got Truex already locked in. Uh, you've got a couple other drivers up there in the top eight that have a lot of points. Blaney, uh, Elliott both have a fair amount of points. Um, so I, I think there could be some potential movement up there into that. So as long as, you know, Kyle Busch's day goes all right, I think he should, he should be okay. But, uh, you know, as far as the rest of the guys, I think it's uh, it's just going to be, you know, in a, in a do-or-die situation, especially around those, you know, back of the field. Kansas, you know, McMurray, out those guys, you know, are really just do-or-die, like I said earlier. You really just can't get into Kansas and try and get a bunch of stage points and ex- and think you're going to move on. You need you needed these points, you know, two races ago and last week at Talladega. And if you're already this far down, you're, you've just got really no hope. You've got to go in, you've got to win and uh, knock somebody else out by virtue of that win. And that's really just really where these guys are at right now. And I think, you know, it's the stage points that they've accumulated. Some of these other drivers have accumulated, like I said, you know, Kyle Busch that doesn't have a win yet in this round of 12 is potentially going to knock somebody out just based on those number of points that he has where, you know, Johnson that doesn't have the points is going to be on that losing end of this. So we'll just have to wait and see where this all comes out at the end of the day. Johnson could win and, you know, we could knock somebody else out. You know, there's a lot of things in flux right now, and especially because the points are so close right there between about seventh and ninth. Right. Absolutely. So, 
uh, if we were to put our, our money down and say, here's our, our champion for the uh, 2017 season, who would you say it would be? I don't know yet. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm saying Truex, Keselowski, Kyle Busch, and um, I don't know. I, I don't know who the fourth person is going right now, but I got. I, I say those three are going to move on. Um, they're going to be at Homestead. Um, I think it's a little bit in flux right now as to who the fourth person may be. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Steve, I know we only got you for a few minutes here, so any final thoughts of words of wisdom, if you will, about the NASCAR season this year as we move forward into the championship? Uh, well, uh, we had just a few more weeks left. Everybody hang on. We're almost there to the end. And uh, uh, um, tune in. Watch what happens. Um, you know, we've got a cutoff race this week, and then we're going to go to Martinsville. We're going to, you know, uh, so that was always an interesting race. So after Kansas, they get to go to, you know, a short track, beat and bang one another around, you know, use chrome horn, get angry at one another. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, everybody remembers the Kansas and Logano issue from, you know, just a year or so ago. And uh, I think things could get interesting there, especially if you're out of the chase and you've got nothing to lose. Uh, you know, and then after that, I mean, there's uh, Texas and Phoenix coming up after that. You know, Phoenix is going to be an interesting event uh, all by itself. And then we're going to go to Homestead. So, I mean, we're we're going to finish the season out um, just in the next couple of weeks. So it's good to see all this coming down to the end. All right, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. I've got Brett Winningham out there at Kansas Speedway this weekend, so you can follow him at NASCAR Brett uh, uh, this weekend uh, for all the information going on down there at, well, up there at Kansas Speedway. All right, buddy, we'll talk with you soon, and uh, we'll see how this championship pans out. All right, good talking to you. Thanks. Yep. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest joins us uh, tonight, uh, this morning, if you will, uh, on our uh, taped version of, of The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis. El Presidente joining us now, Mr. Rick Riggin from Evansville, our official college football analyst. And Mo from the BS Sports Show helps us break down what's going down and the, the point spread and everything else. Of course, we've got the Dodgers and the Cub- uh, the Cubbies getting ready to start here in, in just a moment. We were supposed to have uh, Mark Timmons on from L.A. Dodger Talk. I don't know what happened there. Uh, we efforted to try to get him uh, on, and it didn't happen, so we'll have to reschedule him because, as I'm sure, the Dodgers were going to the to the World Series. And wasn't it me, Mo, and Rick that said – that the World Series would consist of the uh, Astros and the Dodgers. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, I, I believe that's what you said. <laughs> so we're we're not quite to the point where you guys have to say you're not worthy. Hey, uh, Rick, are you with us? Yeah, I didn't know that was my cue. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no problem. Hey, uh you two talk for just a moment. I unfortunately have to make, like I said, we're taping, so things come up, and I have to make a quick call. So I'm going to let you two talk about the top 25, talk about the World Series, talk about whatever you want, and I'll be back here in just a minute. So, Rick, 
And Mo, the, the show's all yours for a few minutes. <laughs> all right. Hey, what's going on, Mo? Hey, Rick. I will. I'll let you leave, man. I'll, I will defer to you. All right. Well, hey, you're up in that that area, Fort Wayne, right? So, uh, you know, the Irish are near and dear to me. You know, there that that is number one in my heart on a college football Saturdays. Uh, the Irish number one. My wife and kids are number two, and then family, friends, Jesus, everything else is after that. So uh, what is your take on on the game this weekend? Uh, I know Notre Dame comes in as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I think that's pretty crazy because it's a home game, so I could see that. But what is your take on that game this weekend? Well, I mean, to me, it, it's it's a, it's a tough game whenever these two teams do play each other. I, I, wanna, I wonder what Sam Darnold is going to show up. Are we going to see the – the Heisman favorite, Sam Donald, show up. Are we going to see the guy who's just been okay uh, this week? You know, is that Irish defense going to continue to show up? It, it was a, a sore contention of this team last year. Uh, the defense has been better this year. Uh, but there's been times when the uh, Irish defense has struggled uh, at home against good teams. So will that be the Irish defense we see come Saturday? And then you got to look at the offense and will we have our two playmakers continue to make plays? Well, is it possible for Josh Adams you to have the type of games he's been having. Uh, a lot of carries, a lot of, uh, lot of stuff on his back. And then, you know, do we have a healthy quarterback? Uh, you know, and I think maybe this might be, uh, with Winbush, the closest uh, relationship that maybe Brian Kelly's had with a quarterback. You know, I, I've spoken before. It, it's funny how it seems that, uh, you know, every talented quarterback he's had there, the uh, relationship deteriorates so much where the guys either want to leave early for the NFL or they uh, want to transfer. So uh, hopefully that uh, can stay consistent as well. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a tight game. Uh, what concerns me if I'm an Irish fan is you get the, the Heisman uh, favorite Sam Darnold again himself. That could be a very long day for that Irish defense, and that could mean a lot of points put on the board. I think it winds up being a closer game than that, uh, maybe a field goal game, uh, but hopefully I hope the Irish can pull it out. Yeah, and that's actually my worry uh, uh, with this game because we saw, you know, the, the Irish been running running the ball like really good. I mean, I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me, but they're probably number seven in the country in rushing yards. Uh, but that's against everybody. But we saw what happened against Georgia. But they only averaged. They only had like fifty five, fifty eight rushing yards total for that game. And I'm just worried about going against a stout defense. You know, like a a power five defense. I should say one of the elite elite programs like USC. If that if they can get that running game going against the against the Trojans. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that concerns me less, honestly, than the, if, the, if the USC offense shows up and they can keep Notre Dame's defense on the, on the field a lot. Uh, that's, that's a big concern, I think, for me coming together. Uh, it's obviously better than last year's, but to me it's, uh, it, that's a worry, a worry for me that if the uh, USC can ground out long runs uh, and, and, and long drives, that that could be, uh, very problematic. The, the easiest way to uh, keep a, a good running back uh, from killing you is by keeping them off the field. And the USC offense definitely uh, has the ability to do that. The Irish defense. Uh, I worry about the, the defensive backfield if Darnold starts lighting it up. So the, the biggest concern I think the Irish uh, have, and they need to, to keep the, uh, the USC offense off the field and try to keep that running attack, try to control the clock in their favor. That's uh, that's the big. Uh, ace in the hole, I think, for the Irish is to try to control the clock with Josh Adams with that running game and, and, and don't keep his defense off a long period of time. 
I do see the, the, the offense that USC runs kind of works in the Irish favor because uh, Sam Darnold isn't a, a running-type quarterback. He's your NFL-type pocket passer. And our leading tackler, uh, tackler Drew Tranquil, doesn't necessarily have to spy the quarterback like we've seen against some of these other uh, quarterbacks that are more of your dual-threat guys, you know. So that's going to leave him to, to, to play rover and move around the field a lot more. And it's not going to take him out of a lot of these passing plays that they're uh, that USC is going to try to hit some big home runs on the Irish. Yeah, the thing the, the thing again again is when you know when he does hit a couple of those plays and the Irish do drop more back into coverage and, and tranquil out of the box, then it gives the the USC team a chance to start running the football. Uh, you know, both both programs have a very balanced attack. I think on offense, uh, obviously the Irish uh, have a more mobile quarterback, but. Uh, you know, I think the key for the Irish is to try to shut that passing game down early. That way you can keep guys like Crankle in the box for those running plays. And I think that makes the uh, Irish defense a harder, definitely a harder defense uh, to, to contend with. So I think it's a close game. I, I give the edge to the Irish because they are at home. But, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, wild things happen when these two teams get together. And I, I don't see anything different probably than this, this Saturday. Yeah, and, of course, we saw USC Twigs go lose to Washington State. And then uh, last week, they didn't look that great against Utah. I don't know how great or how good of a team, maybe great's a, a strong word, uh, Utah really is. But they did show there are plays to be made a, against the defense against USC. And I, I feel that Brandon Wimbush, in order for us to get the running game going, the passing game going, really needs to step up a notch against USC a lot more than it has been th- this season so far. We already know what he can do with his feet, but we need to see what he can do with his arm. Yeah, and I think with with you know the the questions about his how healthy he is, I think this is a big day for the Irish offensive line too, uh, to give him time to throw the football and uh, time to set up these running plays for Josh Adams, so he doesn't have to be as mobile. Because you know the biggest concern would be if you're an Irish fan, uh, what happens uh, if, if if he's hit, he's not 100 percent healthy, and he winds up on the sidelines. You know that that would be a big concern. It's going to be a big game, big day too for the Irish offensive line uh, to make holes for Josh Adams and, and to give. Uh, when it's time to throw the football. All right, so uh, the uh, I'm going to address the elephant in the room here. So uh, do you feel that uh, – because I feel this way. I feel that he is. But do you think – do you feel that Josh Adams it should be a Heisman candidate? I think he should be a candidate, but I don't if, – if you're asking me to pick a running back right now uh, – Pick a, a better. I mean, it, it's hard to take Saquon Barkley as your as a Heisman guy right now. But Josh Adams, I think, has definitely earned his way uh, for a call to New York. And, you know, and the season's not over yet. Most of the time, when we're talking about Heisman guys in October, uh, you know, they never wind up winning the Heisman Trophy. But I think he's definitely done the work and done and turned in the performances to be a Heisman candidate 100. Uh, percent You know, and, and we'll see guys fall off of this. Uh, you know, and and with the way this offense is set up, it's definitely. Uh, possible for uh, Adams to be sitting uh, in New York City when it comes time uh, to award the Heisman Trophy. Uh, you know, but again, you know, look at guys that we talked about past five years in October and early November. It never seems like it's one of those guys winning the Heisman. So uh, I think it's okay that he's not being talked about a ton right now for the Heisman because he's got a chance then to move into one of those slots as we get into late November or early December. But I definitely think he's turning the performances to be considered up there. Uh, if I had to award it right now, I probably wouldn't award it to him uh, because I have to take my homers out of it. But I, I do think he's definitely on the spot there. 
Yeah, and I think his candidacy really is just going to hinge on this game and then their upcoming schedule against uh, Miami. And, and uh, they, you know, they got NC State next week. I mean, that's a tough team. Then, they, you know, they got they got a, a game down at Miami and they had finished off with against Stanford. Uh, do you feel, and I, I don't want to take away some of this uh, conversation, you know, before Tom gets back, because I'm sure we might repeat a little bit of this if he asks some questions, but uh, – do you feel with this uh, remaining schedule, and I think if they win out, they'll make the playoff, but do you feel they can go 11-1, that only loss being against Georgia by one point? I mean, I, I think it's very possible that the Miami game scares me. And then, you know, Stanford's always been a good team at the end of the year to, to ruin hopes of, of teams. You know, we've seen them do it to teams in the Pac-12, and we've seen them, you know, uh, uh, make a not-so-happy season for Notre Dame as well. So those two games would be the ones that concern me, and obviously State is, is, is not a, a, a terrible team whatsoever. Uh, so there are some concerning games on the schedule, but I think that Notre Dame has, has put together some uh, pretty good football games this year. It doesn't feel like it's so uh, cardiac-type games like we saw a year and a half, two years ago uh, with Deshaun Kaiser coming in and, and making uh, a last-second, last-minute play to uh, put the Irish ahead. So I think you've got something now to where – You've got a formidable defense with the Irish. You've got a running game, and Notre Dame controlling the clock, I think, will help them if they want to uh, be that 11-1 team that goes on to the playoff. They've got to be able to get stops on defense and critical points and be able to run the football because them controlling the clock is, is huge. The less that, uh, that Wimbush runs, I think the better for the Irish. And I know a lot of Irish fans will disagree with that, but I, I want to keep my quarterback healthy and in the pocket. Leave the heavy lifting in the running to uh, Josh Adams. And so far, he's proven that he can do it. Uh, you know, will the defense be able to hold up uh, the rest of the year and be able to turn in performances like they did, even against Georgia in that loss? And if so, then they're definitely a team that can go 11-1. and one. So uh, not, not to take away some of the uh, Irish convo away from Tom, so uh, we'll move on and come back to it maybe when he uh, gets back with us. But uh, besides this game, I, I feel like this college football weekend is, is not too overly, overly exciting as – we got Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, to me, that game is very, very interesting. Uh, what do you think, Mo? Okay, I'm back, guys. Just, uh, oh, I, I just want to let you know I'm back. So right. Go, right, go right ahead. I'll jump in here. Go All ahead, right. guys. Well, I, I feel like I feel like somebody's invited me over to their house, and they're like, "Oh, uh, hey, I gotta go." Um, so right. Now, <laughs> I had a work yeah, call. Awkward thing. We're, doing. Doing. we're just sitting in his living yeah. room, they all quietly, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yes. It's uh, Oklahoma State. I think has got a really good football program, and the game the game this weekend uh, is definitely uh, an intriguing game. I think it's a game that Oklahoma State wins. Uh, but the thing to me is, you know, I hate. It feels like the middle of the college football season every year. We get all these terrible football games and all these uh, non top twenty five matchups, and I think that's one of the things that college football needs to fix uh, if they ever look to overtake the NFL in popularity. It, it's this middle of the season, just like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Some of these matchups. Uh, but, no, I think it's a game that, uh, that Oklahoma State wins. I think uh, the, the, the road is tough for Texas this year, a year or two, and I think uh, that Herman turns around. But I like, I like Oklahoma State. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the, the weeks without the, uh, the ranked teams playing, and that, that was last week. I don't know if it's Friday the 13th weekend or just one of these weeks where we had no ranked teams playing against each other, and then all this crazy stuff happens. But all the upsets, all the top ten teams for the, uh, how the top ten go down – I thought that was great college football. I, I feel like that's what college football is all about. And uh, this could be one of those weekends again 
that we see, even though I think Notre Dame, I have to check again, but Notre Dame-USC is the only ranked versus ranked game, and everybody else is kind of just last week. It's just ranked teams playing against uh, their common conference opponents. But I think we should get, yeah. we could see some more crazy stuff happening like we did last weekend. So you think oh, if those upsets don't happen, that's a terrible week of college football. And we can't say, you know, what if, because they did happen. But if, if those don't happen, if the weaknesses in, in those upsets don't happen, it's a terrible week of college football in all reality. You know, there was, there was no games anybody's really on the schedule but before to go, man, I can't wait to watch that football game. Then the crazy stuff starts happening, and it's like, oh, okay, this is fun. But if that doesn't happen, that's a terrible week of college football. If upsets don't happen this weekend, you've got one basically marquee game. Otherwise, it's a terrible week of college football. That's something I think that the college football league needs to take a look at is these, these middle of the season week where it's like too many Christmas. How do we fix this? Because, you know, we look forward to marquee games. Upsets are great, and they're fun, and that makes college football a lot of fun. But most people look at marquee games and go, man, I cannot wait for this weekend. And, you know, the NFL, because of the NFL, are able to overcome weeks with some bad games. But for college football, I really think they need to look at this middle of the season and figure out how they can try to, try to do a tweak this little bit. So, uh, we're All right, Tom. With, uh, uh, I, I, I was going to say, Tom, back to you. <laughs> back to me. Thanks, uh, Rick Riggin, our official college football analyst, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, thanks for uh, letting me uh, take care of a business call. I'll tell you what, the life of the life of of, uh, of having to be an adult sometimes. Did you guys uh, talk about Penn State and Michigan game? We have not. We uh, did a uh, Notre Dame USC, Texas Oklahoma State. Uh, we left some things out in case you had to uh, want to join the convo. Had some questions <laughs> about the uh, Irish and the uh, USC game, but. Uh, it's your show, buddy. Well, no, no, I, 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 did, I just wanted to make sure that we took some time to talk about uh, IU in Michigan. Uh, IU showed me that that you know even though it wasn't a loss, whenever you could take a team like Michigan with the defense that Michigan has to an almost double overtime uh, game, IU did a great job at stopping Michigan. That said. Uh, Michigan's not that good of a team, and I've said before, uh, Jim Harbaugh is a is a very overrated coach uh, and a very overpaid coach. And now they go into Penn State. Penn State beats them. Then we look at Penn State having to play Ohio State and have to play Michigan State. They beat those three teams. They're a lock for the for the Final Four. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that, that's definitely right. But uh, also, you have to keep in mind that Wisconsin is sitting out there too at, at uh, five. So. They're sitting there. They're looking good. I, I don't like them as much as I like Penn State or Ohio State because Ohio State looks like they uh, got their stuff together now finally. Uh, but, yeah, tough road for Penn State coming up. So, but they if they went out, they're definitely going to be in. You can't leave a, uh, you know, the Big Ten champion out definitely going against the schedule like, uh, like they're getting ready to go against. But you're right. I, you show that there's plays to be made definitely uh, against Michigan, and uh, Penn State is going to exploit the heck out of that out of that this weekend. So, uh, well, all right, go ahead. No, sorry, I didn't. You know, so the thing is, though, the, the one thing I do disagree with is I, I think Jim Harbaugh is is gets too much press, but I, I have a hard time saying he's overhyped. A, they've lost their starting quarterback, which is hard for any team to transit, especially in college. But you look at what he did with the 49ers. They were garbage. Uh, Alex Smith was ready to be out of the league, and he turned that around. Uh, you know, and, and he did his, what, third year at Michigan, still playing with other players. And Michigan wasn't a great football team. They were terrible, and and everybody wanted to see Jim Harbaugh come in and turn him into national champions in the first year, and that just doesn't happen. It's not realistic. Nick Saban did it at Alabama for, for the love of God. It's Alabama. 
you know, it's I think a rough year though at Michigan could really open the door for Jim Harbaugh to return to the NFL uh, to the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, it, it's uh, seeing Michigan not play great or do great. Uh, I don't think it's terrible. Uh, if you're a Colts fan, because I think that would open the door there. But I think the job he's done at Michigan with what he came in to work with uh, has been a good job. That being said, IU is a, a football team that's always right there on the cusp. Uh, you know, I think you've heard me preach this week after week. They're a great first-half football team. This week they were great in the second half, but they weren't great in the first half. They're a team that's always two or three plays away from winning numerous uh, extra games a year against top opponents. And hopefully one year they can, they can start to recruit that one or two players to help them put that, those games away. Uh, I, I think that uh, the Michigan's going to have a tough road the rest of the way, uh, especially at Penn State as well. Uh, but I think it's good if you're a Colts fan because that doesn't mean that uh, Jim Harbaugh could be your next head coach. Well, I know you guys talked a little bit about Notre Dame, and certainly Notre Dame has the path to the 2017 college football playoffs, whether or not you, you like it or not or agree with it or not. Uh, but uh, So let's talk a little bit about maybe some big deals that can happen. Number 19, Michigan, 5-1, and one, and number 2, Penn State. We talked about that. Uh, now, Penn State is 6-0, and oh, uh, and uh, Jim Harbaugh is overrated, like I've said many, many times. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying, Jim, uh, Jim Harbaugh is, is, so, uh, hey, is overrated. So, hey, I have a question. Are, are you going to say he's overrated whenever he's a Colt head coach and they have a good year and then, uh, then, then a bad year and then <laughs> Gruden, Gruden will be here before uh, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, you're not getting Gruden uh, out of the booth. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, but you know, this week is uh, USC and Notre Dame. I know you guys talked about that uh, already, but, I mean, are we ready to begin our annual debate about whether or not the Irish should be a playoff eligible uh, despite being an independent team? Go for it, Mr. Rick Riggin. Uh Yeah, because they don't play that 13th game. Uh, just look at the rest of their schedule and compare it to the teams that do have that 13th game. So I, I think that alone makes them eligible. <laughs> But, you know, if you want my honest opinion about the whole it, them being independent and everything, uh, I'm I'm one of the, the rare few Irish fans that do think it is time for them to join a conference because I believe that the road to a national championship or even just a playoff anyway would be a little easier it, it, the way I see it. I mean, if they join the ACC full-time, I, they don't have to schedule Stanford and, you know – USC and do all this stuff, the, the same teams, the same elite programs that year in and year out like they do now. I think the the road for them to, I don't know, relevance is the right word because I, I still believe they're relevant even though they've been down, you know, for a little while now. But anyway, I, I just think the road would be easier if they were in a conference full time. Well, let's talk uh, – Mo, go ahead. What are your thoughts, though, about uh, Notre Dame and certainly uh, their road uh, to the 2017 championship series being an independent thing? We have this debate every year uh, that, that the committee should take that into account. Uh, but it kind of seems like they look at them like they play like every other team out there. Well, I, I do agree with Rick. I think that, they're, they're, that Notre Dame would play in more uh, – Playoffs probably, uh, if we look at it over the span of time, if they were in a conference, because you can be a, a good, not great team and play your conference championship and earn your way, uh, you know, probably into a Final Four being a big-name team. However, Notre Dame joining the conference takes them off NBC every week, and I think that hurts the recruiting. I think the NBC national television deal 
makes that a huge recruiting tool for Brian Kelly and whoever the head coach is at Notre Dame. So does the, does the, uh, the type of athlete you attract change uh, if you're not guaranteed to be on national television every single week? Uh, you know, and I, I, to me, I think that stuff for a long time, I've, I've known a couple of guys who have gone to Notre Dame, and one of the reasons that, uh, that they have was to be on national television every single week because they were a good, not great uh, player, and they figured that was their quickest way to the NFL draft was familiarity with uh, scouts and with, uh, with NFL front office people who watched the Notre Dame games on, on uh, NBC. So I, I think there's too much money to be lost for Notre Dame to join a conference unless they figure out at some point the committees. There's no way they're going to let Notre Dame in without uh, playing in a conference. But I think that's the only way they join one. So let's talk about some of these teams, guys. Let's break this down. Uh, Tennessee uh, should not be having – should be looking for a head coach. Uh, maybe that will happen sooner or later. Uh, three and three. They're at number one, Alabama, obviously seven and oh. Uh, let's uh, create the memes now. But Tennessee is probably still a six and six team, barely. Mo? Well, worst thing in the world that could happen is Tennessee upsets Alabama uh, if you're a Tennessee fan because that may probably saves Butch Jones' job. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think Tennessee finds a new coach. But at this point, why do it now? Finish out the year uh, and, and name somebody. You know, start your search now so that way as soon as your season ends, you can name your new football coach and get a jump on everybody else. Uh, but, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, I, I know you'd love to beat Alabama, but that could be the worst thing in the world for you because if you do, I think that saves Butch Jones' job by beating Alabama. So, I think Alabama wins. They probably win pretty handily, but Tennessee's been known to do stupid things at crazy times and doing one of those things, football game, and that would be terrible if you're a Tennessee fan. Uh, Rick, what are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, I'm with Mo there. And I don't think Tennessee is one of these schools that do fire their head coaches midseason. I think Bush Jones is going to finish out the year, much to the dismay of their fans. But I actually wrote a an article a few days ago about this and kind of aimed it towards Tennessee about guys that are not going to get to be their head coach. And uh, you can read it. It's at ftfarmy.wordpress.com. I'm just using the WordPress thing right now because it's a blog. That's all I need right now. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, they're not going to get Bob Stoops, and they're not going to get Chip Kelly, even though uh, everybody, the rumors were thinking Chip Kelly is going to return to college. And they're definitely not going to get John Gruden. I think that's their, their top three targets. I think they need to go after Jeff Brom uh, from Purdue if they're uh, looking to make some waves and he he's doing some good things at Purdue, but uh, they're not going to get those are three you, guys. Are, are, are you literally just telling me this right now that it's time to, for Jeff Brom to go to a different school? Are you kidding me? He just started at Purdue. He's making changes at Purdue. Things are getting I'm better at Purdue. You, no I'm way in hell that, that, that you going to have that conversation. He's on speed dial, Liz. He's on speed dial. And let's be honest, Purdue's a stepping stone yeah. job. Nobody, nobody stays at Purdue if you don't have to. It's I hardly think one season that's not even over yet that's made significant improvements and strives to the better, yes, classifies as a stepping stone. A pebble in my toe, maybe, but let's let's uh, let's let's not get the cart before the horse. If but, you, if but, you, uh, but, but how many how many Mac coaches do we see have one great season and they're off to a bigger a much bigger job? We had we see that happen True. all the time. Right, and True. you know Western Kentucky's at the same program just like that. Uh, one of these uh, I hate to call it that. It's a like a what a stepping stone program basically to uh, bigger and better things. So I. I 
I think it could be the case. I think Jeff Brom is probably more realistic at Tennessee than, than uh, what you think. Well, hell, Syracuse beat Clemson last week. I mean, who's he going to coach now, Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> That's the Colts next head coach. What are you talking about? <laughs> speaking of speaking of Syracuse, 4-3 at number Miami, which in Miami is 5-0. and uh, The Orange, obviously, we, we proved that they, they could beat a team. Uh, they, they're a borderline bowl team, but, uh, I think they'll make it. I think they'll do all right. Thoughts on Syracuse. And, and, and we do got to take into account that they, that they beat Clemson, but also at the same time, take that aside. I think they're still a good football team, uh, Mo. Yeah. You know, it was, a, it was definitely a fun game to watch and, you know, class acts on both sides of, of the football in that game. You know, the fact that uh, without cameras and any stuff that Dabble Sweetie went in and talked to Syracuse players. Uh, while their coach was on the uh, on the podium talking at the press conference, I thought that was great. Uh, you know, I thought their coach handled it well for a big moment. I thought the players did. Uh, I think Syracuse is a good football team, and I think they're well coached. And, and you know, he could be another guy that moves that could be considered for for bigger jobs. It's not a great program there at Syracuse, a great place to put football, but they're a decent football team. I like what they've done there in the last couple of years. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, uh, can you hear me? yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead, <laughs> Rick. I'm sorry, I, I said Mo. I meant yeah, to say no, Rick. No worries. Go ahead. I, I was just going to ask Mo because the uh, past couple of days I'm just not up to date on Clemson. Is Kelly Bryant? Uh, how's his status? He, do, have you heard anything? Is he playing? Because we saw Syracuse giving Clemson like all they wanted, and then uh, Kelly Bryant went out with an injury. So that was the uh, beginning of the end, basically, when they brought in the even though he's a talented freshman quarterback for Clemson, but not having Kelly Bryant into in the uh, the rest of that game, I think that was the downfall for Clemson. I think they could have pulled it off with Kelly Bryant, you know, still won the game without him. But I know he, I don't think it was concussion protocol, but I just don't know this past couple of days uh, the word on Kelly Bryant. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's been a stats been up in the air. Uh, you know, I've heard it both ways from people who follow Clemson. Uh, I haven't heard anything definite, but you know, to me, I think you're right. Kelly Bryant played good, and the offense still played okay. It was the defense, which is normally a staple of Clemson, that really let them down in that football game. Uh, but Kelly Bryant has definitely played well for this team, and you know, it, it's a game that they can overcome. You know, we saw a one-loss team go to the, to the national game for the last couple of years, so something they can overcome. I think Clemson's too good of a football team to let this uh, them and it might have been just the thing they needed to propel them, uh, you know, to bigger, bigger things. So, uh, hopefully he's back on the field. He is, he's too talented and too, too good of a dude to watch. So, I hope uh, that we see him back on the field sooner than later. Well, guys, we need to uh, kind of move on, moving on down the road here. I wanted to have some time to talk with you guys about the uh, MLB. we got just a, uh, a few minutes left here, so I wanted to certainly talk about that. So let's break down the journey, if you will. We'll start in the American League. Uh, obviously, uh, and, and, you know, I will toot my horn now, but we'll, keep, uh, we'll wait for the big toot a little, bit, a little bit later on, if you will. But... Here's the thing. As much as I, I say, all right, go Cubs, go, I am not a go Cubs, go kind of guy, but I, obviously everybody knows that, and I'm rooting for the National League all the way across the board. So whether it be the Dodgers or whether it be the Cubs, but I think a long time ago, I mean, early early uh, summer, uh, a, you know, I started looking at the Dodgers, and I, I think I even said on this show a couple, three times that the Dodgers are the real uh, deal. And I, I haven't been able to check in on the game, but uh, Kershaw's on the mound tonight. 
I mean, I think the Dodgers can close it up tonight. I know we're taping this, so by the time this airs, everybody will know already. But let's talk about the Cubs, the Dodgers, and, you know, certainly the Cubs have found a way to win. But they still, the, the uh, Mo and Rick, the, the, the uh, cards are stacked against them. I don't know, except for maybe one time, that, uh, that a team's been able to come back from the deficit that the Cubs are in to get to the World Series. Mo? Yeah, and how ironic would it be if that happened against the, the manager who was in that game, you know, when that happened, Dave Roberts with the Red Sox, when that happened uh, against the Yankees. I, I don't think the Cubs pull the series out, uh, even in a diehard Cubs fan, because uh, their hitting has been terrible. Their bullpen is absolutely garbage. Uh, but, you know, on the mound tonight, Clayton Kershaw, when has he had a, a big moment in the playoffs? That, that hasn't happened uh, for him to really have a dominant playoff performance. So, you know, if the Cubs can get to him early, they, that's what they have to do against the Dodgers because once they get to the bullpen, the Cubs haven't been able to hit them, and let alone hit anybody. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, through four games, had 27 walks to the Cubs' four. Uh, and that's going to make a big difference down the road. Every every Cubs uh, uh, run has come off a home run. Uh, and, but, you know, the, if, unless the uh, Cubs starting pitcher is going to go complete games the rest of the series, you know, it, it's, they're in trouble because, the, again, the bullpen is garbage. Uh, you know, it, the Astros uh, – are sorry, the Astros. The Dodgers, uh, they've got good hitting. They've got, uh, they've got the complete package. Uh, can they keep them going in the slump like they did towards the end of the year uh, if they move on? That'll be the big thing. But they, they look like a uh, all-around great team. So, uh, Rick, go go ahead. What are your thoughts on the Cubs and the Dodgers? Well, Tom, I mean, go Cubs, go. It's pretty catchy, isn't it? <laughs> I hate that song. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, uh, the 0-4 Red Sox, the only team to come back from being down 3-0, and I know the Cubs, you know, they got a win down 3-1 now. Uh, that's not going to happen again this year. Uh, I'm with Mo. I, I think the Dodgers are the uh, – the complete package, I think, just the better bullpen and better hitting, and I think Kershaw's going to close it out tonight. Well, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're absolutely, uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Well, let's move on over to the Astros and the Yankees. Now, here's the, here's another interesting fun fact, if you will. If the Yankees find a way to to win and get into the World Series, first, every major network that's carrying the World Series is going to be salivating and and getting that e- e- uh, eternal baseball erection, if you will. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But if it, <laughs> but it, but if it does happen, I like it, man. That's, that's, ever, that's good. <laughs> you're you're a poet. I like it. <laughs> I'm a poet. But if it does happen, which I I, I I doubt, but if it does happen, for the first time I think ever, uh at least in recent memory, will the uh Yankees have the lowest payroll compared to the team they're playing in the World Series. In this case, if they play the Dodgers, which everybody assumes will be the Dodgers, if it's the Yankees and the Dodgers, the Dodgers have a higher payroll than the Yankees. That's a pretty significant saying uh, uh, about the Yankees. Go ahead, Mo. Well, you know, it's uh, – it's, uh, I think they're ahead of schedule, so obviously they're they're playing on, on house money at this point. Um you know, they've had timely pitching, and they've got a strong bullpen as well, which would be fun to see uh, in the Yankees-Dodgers matchup that you would see uh, two teams that have great bullpens. And, you know, bullpens uh, have been uh, have been the thing this year that's really carried uh, teams. It seems like, the, you know, the, the trend dimension of baseball is to hope your starter makes it five, you're lucky if you get six, and then you have a, a badass bullpen to uh, finish it out. 
and both of those teams have it. That's one of the things that have taken down the Astros as well as the Cubs is, is terrible bullpen. You know, the, the Astros have uh, what was the best offense in baseball, but they've tried out uh, uh, their bullpen and it's, they've just been hammered. So it's, uh, it, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens. The Astros also haven't lost a, a playoff game at home yet this year. So the series, the moves back there, you've got uh, uh, Verlander on the mound. Can he give you enough to not, uh, to not have to bring out that bullpen too much? Uh, it'll be a fun game to watch tomorrow uh, for sure. Uh, but Yankees, the Dodgers, uh, does seem like the inevitable matchup, and it seems like it's going to be a very fun matchup. So let's just say, uh, guys, let's just say that the Cubs don't go to the World Series. Is it uh, the worst nightmare that, uh, uh, Mo, that the uh, Nationals will go shopping at, uh, I mean, the Cubs will go shopping at the Washington National Mall for a certain pitcher? <laughs> um, no, I, I think, you know, honestly – we won last year, and for any Cubs fan, you're still excited. I think that uh, it feels very Boston Red Sockish for a lot of Cubs fans so far, you know, in the fact that, uh, you know, you, you got some taste, now you won it all the time. And, you know, this team, honestly, in my opinion, overachieved this year. They're not as good as they were last year. Uh, you've had players that, you know, without a leadoff hitter, uh, I think that's one thing they need to address, uh, the, the absence of Dexter Fowler, who moved over to your Cardinals. Uh, even though he was injured this year, really hurt this team. I think it's one of the reasons you saw Bryant, uh, his RBIs drop. But you've got to have uh, bullpen pitching, and uh, and the Cubs don't have that. And then you've got to figure out if you're going to keep Jake Arrieta or rebuild that pitching staff because he's a free agent uh, when the last game's over as well. So if you're a Cubs fan, well, it sucks, yes, but you weren't probably going to win the World Series anyways. So why not to retool the team? You've seen deficiencies in the playoffs. Retool the team and, and come back uh, hopefully bigger and stronger next year. Rick, what are your thoughts uh, going into the World Series? We think it's going to be the Yankees. We think it's going to be—I mean, we think it's going to be the Astros. We think it's going to be the Dodgers. What are your thoughts uh, as we uh, begin to wrap things up here? Yeah, I actually we covered some baseball on one of our previous shows past two or three weeks, and I had the Dodgers in the in the World Series, but I've kind of just backed up, backed off that a little bit because. You know, you mentioned you know the the payroll. The Yankees aren't going to be the highest uh, paid team in the World Series this year, which is actually that's pretty like that's a pretty cool stat, really. But they're also like they're they went from like their average age was like 37 or something like that a few years ago to now they're just a bunch of young dudes thrown together and they're really scrappy. And I'm starting to lean towards the uh, Dodgers Yankees World Series, which I think is pretty damn intriguing. Well, I just checked the score. It's 2-0 Dodgers as we uh, finish the taping of this game for Saturday's show. So, uh, and that's in the uh, top of the third, I believe. So, there you go. And I still say, I still say that last night in the when they did those back-to-back home runs in the second inning or third inning or whatever it was, Mo, that's what put the nail in the coffin right there. Yeah, I mean, you know that. Uh... That was uh, that was great for the Cubs, but you know you got to be able to manufacture runs. They were highest scoring offense in the National League coming into the playoffs, and then all of a sudden they they can't manufacture a run other than through a home run. And when you can't get guys on base, that kills you. You know, uh, four walks, twenty seven walks. Sooner or later, that that team is going to score runs when you're putting that many guys on base on free passes all the time. Uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, it was great last night to see it happen, and I'm glad the Cubs didn't get swept. You know that. Uh, a little more embarrassing, especially when they got swept by the Mets a couple of years ago. So I'm glad they didn't get swept, but now it's time to uh, for Theo to retool this team 
And uh, there's a lot of big decisions to be made because Jake Arrieta has probably had the best outing uh, in this uh, National Championship Series, and he's a free agent. And what do you do with an older veteran pitcher who's still got it? You invest that kind of money in him. It's going to be a big decision for the Cubs. Well, guys, uh, tonight uh, we're in. Uh, we've our, our by the time this show airs on Saturday, we have taped a, sh- a segment with Ed Kratz, and by the time that segment is taped tomorrow, and then I edit everything together tomorrow evening for Saturday, it'll all come together and not miss a beat. But hey, we'll, we'll let our listeners behind the scenes uh, once in a while and, and know what happens. So I'm taping Ed tomorrow afternoon. Uh, we're going to get his NFL segment. Uh, he says hello. Wish we could all get together. Uh, I've got uh, my parents' uh, 50th wedding anniversary. I'm headed down to Rick's neck of the woods in Evansville on Saturday. Yes, sir. I'm giving my mo- <laughs> I'm, I'm giving my mother away, and so 50 years, man. That's a that's a big. There's no way I could make it 50 years. That's for sure. I mean, I'm 49. I'll be 49 on Monday, and yeah, my parents were married one year and one day when they had me. So, uh, I, I, you know, so. So I'm going down there for that. So we had to tape it tonight. So, but tonight, Oakland, Kansas City. Thoughts on that, guys? Well, I mean, well, I'm know, actually what, at, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine, Rick. Go first. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm actually watching that game right now. I'm kind of liking these taped episodes because you know you could just <laughs> say what's going on live, and you know I don't know if that's uh, illegal or not, but uh, <laughs> do play by play here on the balance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, Kansas City looks good this year, don't they? Uh, well, I can I tell you one thing: Kansas City, so. at, they're pissed off after being schooled by the the, the Steelers last week. That's for sure. <laughs> Go ahead, Mo. Hey, they're running back. They're running back Kareem Hunt on my fantasy team. I, I love that, that that rookie running back. He, he's he's looking a, good, Kareem Hunt. He is a fantasy monster. Yeah, you know it's a it's a team. Uh, two teams, I think it feels like going in different directions right now. Can the Raiders with all, you know all the weapons they have and uh, can Derek Carr come back from his injury and, and lead this team back to the playoffs? It, it doesn't look great now. They've Started out uh, looking pretty decent, and then things kind of fell apart. Their offensive line, which is a really good line, was a good line last year, is kind of falling apart on them this year. Uh, so it feels like two teams going in different directions in that division. But an Oakland win here would definitely make it easier, uh, easier ride to the playoffs for them, and, and bring Kansas City back another notch. Uh, Kansas City's a fun team. They're just they, they still feel kind of boring at times, but they're a very good team, a very fun team. And you know, imagine if Eric Berry hadn't been lost for the season in the first game, what or second game, what a what a great, even better defense this would be. It's a, it's a fun game, fun team, but uh, I like Kansas City to win tonight. And hopefully I look smart on Saturday when this airs that, uh, that I picked the right team. Well, absolutely. See, look at how smart all of us will look on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> now, if, if, you, if you'll give me a minute to say the Raiders are going to win too, so you can edit in whatever one makes me sound smarter, that'd be great. That's what that's what we'll do. We'll just we'll, just, we'll just take the result and, and we'll just we'll just chop and edit and cut it and it it'll it'll all uh, come uh, come together. That's for sure. Well, guys, uh, we it's about time to wrap it up. Put a bowl on. I appreciate you guys for taking some time on your Thursday evening uh, to join us and help me uh, uh, tape this show and it'll all be edited tomorrow and uh, on the air on on Saturday. Any final thoughts and words of wisdom, Mister Rick Riggins, sir? Uh, no, you know, you can look me up on Twitter at Rick and underscore Rick. Uh, I started a new blog called Flipping the Field, uh, FTS, 
army.wordpress.com. Uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, the baseball erection thing earlier. You know, since I last on the show, the new Star Wars trailer, the new Star Wars trailer came out the uh, halftime during Monday Night Football last week, and that gave me a space erection. And uh, that's a damn good trailer. And uh, that's been all so, I got. So I'll start over the most. We don't. We don't want to. We don't want to know about your lightsaber or whatever. Lightsaber. What is it called? A light lightsaber saber or whatever. Lightsaber. Hey, yes. by, the, by, by the way, since I allowed you to, to to promote your awesome blog site, also promote the fact that you're. That your awesome blog site is mirrored on thebalanceonline.com. So when you post something, that's on right. Also the go field, to thebalanceonline.com. You can read it there. Yeah. You can read uh, You can read articles from ahead. <laughs> that's right. We're trying to get Mo to write hey, something for us. Yeah, but Mo, Mo's got some. Yeah, Ed, Ed's got some. Ed makes a after makes, reading Ed's articles, like I realize I'm not much of a writer. <laughs> <laughs> After course, you read what Ed puts on there, <laughs> I realize course, I'm not that big of a writer. Of course, of course, Ed's been a a beat writer for many, many years, so he knows a little bit about something what he's doing. Mo, any final thoughts and words of wisdom, sir? Well, anything, anything giving well. you an erection right now? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, sometimes, you know, Ed, Ed's a good beat writer, but I've I've been labeled a beat-off writer for about uh, 10 years now. Oh, uh, okay. you, know, <laughs> you better right. add that into the show. That's making the show. <laughs> you know, I, I, never, uh, I, I never got into Star Wars as a kid because normally that meant that if you got a face erection that you didn't get erections around girls. So I never really – I've never seen Star Wars, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but have you ever had this fast in more than eight hours, though? That's the important thing. That's what <laughs> uh, in all honesty, yeah, congratulations to your parents, dude. 50 years, that's awesome. In, in like, married years nowadays, yeah. that's like 150 years, you know? That's, uh, that's unheard of nowadays. All right, go ahead, guys. Keep talking. I'm sorry. It, it, it <laughs> bounced. Kind of if, that, if, that's your, if, if that's your ringtone, you have way more issues than I thought. <laughs> no, that's a, that, that was that. the that was the, that was the, the music the at the Oscars when they when once you wrap up your speech and they start playing the music to get you off the stage at the Oscars or whatever. I had everything timed so perfectly, and then we got off talking about erections, and then so it 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 just kind of got a mind of its own. But go right ahead, Rick. I mean, uh, Mo, <laughs> finish your thought there, buddy. Uh, no, man, just in, in marriage years, dude, that's awesome. It's like 150 years now, so uh, it, it's awesome. Congrats to them. Have fun uh, on Saturday doing that. And uh, nothing I can say about my Twitter will even uh, come close to that. So uh, congrats uh, to them and uh, and many uh, happy wishes. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, guys, well, we got to wrap it up and put a bow on it. Rick, where can people find you working your masterpieces, sir? Yeah. FTFarmy.wordpress.com and at Riggin underscore Rick on Twitter, and I will catch you guys next week. As well, sir. Mo? Uh, BeatOffWriter.com. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> hopefully soon on, the, uh, soon, on, soon on the balance, hopefully, <laughs> and, and on Twitter at Mo Radio Show. I love it. All right, guys, we'll talk with you guys soon. My name is Tom Mark with Sal Presidente. Remember, don't take a drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces. 
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.